If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. What they were supposed to do, God had been so gracious to them and, and shown himself faithful over and over again. And now they find themselves in the land of promise, yet they decide instead of continuing the... Uh, their MO as Joshua had established that they would utterly destroy the enemies of God. They would utterly destroy those who were on the outside. Now Israel gets comfortable with those that they should be destroying, that they should have no part with. And they come into this land and they begin to become friends with all them and accept their gods, their morals, and, and their religious belief system. And before long, everything goes dark for Israel in just a very short amount of time. And the book of Judges is about this vicious cycle that they get into where they would forsake God, they would forget His laws, and they would go do whatever they wanted to do, and then they would cry out to God because He would let them go into bondage to some nation that should have been easily wiped out, but yet because of their refusal to follow the Lord, then He allowed them to go into bondage, and then they would cry out, and God would raise up a deliverer for them. This is the entire story. And then that deliverer would help them, bring them out of bondage, but it wasn't too much longer. Israel would do it again. And it was the same thing over and over again. Some of the famous deliverers in this, in the book of Judges, you can read about. One is Samson. We know about Samson, the man who was strong. Now, I will have to go against popular uh, pictures of Samson as some big bodybuilder, you know, uh, because the scripture teaches us that they were wondering, where does his strength come from? So obviously he wasn't mu- muscles popping out on muscles. He probably looked like... Well, I won't point anybody out. Me. And he... So they were wondering, how did, how, what, where does this guy get his strength? His strength was in his hair. And the scripture says that that hair had, it was woven into seven locks. So it must have looked like dreadlocks, I guess. I don't know. But it was seven locks, and that's where he got his strength. And finally, you know the story of Samson, as Delilah vexed his soul to death, the scripture says, by her persistence to find out where did he get his strength. Finally, he told her the secret. He shaved his head and he lost his strength. The story of Gideon, the mighty man of valor, who became the mighty man of valor. We're going to talk about him, actually. There was uh, Deborah, the prophetess, one of the great judges of Israel. There was Ehud. We've talked about Ehud before. I don't think he pronounced his name Ehud, but we are in Texas, so his name is Ehud. (laughs) All right, and Ehud uh, brought great deliverance to Israel. Uh, he, remember, they were given over to the king of Moab, and the scripture says that king of Moab was a very fat man. And Ehud made this dagger, 18 inches long, fastened it to his right thigh because he was a left-handed man, which was very rare in those days. And he uh, had a word from God for this, uh, this Moab, Moabite king, and he took that knife and he stabbed that man so hard, the scripture says, that the hilt went in after the blade and was unable to draw it because the fat closed around the hilt. It's a violent book. 
very violent. And you see this progression of, of Israel. They seem to be getting worse and worse all along the way till toward the very end of the book, they've gone into civil war and almost completely wiped out the tribe of Benjamin because of a horrible crime that they committed. And they decided they were going to get rid of Benjamin altogether. But 600 men survived, and then they began to rebuild that tribe. One of the memento that we're going to bring home with us this week and to declare over our lives and to meditate on, I want you to just say this with me today. I will remember the Lord. I will follow his word. I will live in his promise. Let's say that again. I will remember the Lord. I will follow his word. And I will live in his promise. This is what the children of Israel gave up. It's what they gave up. It starts off in chapter 2, what I want to talk about here. Uh, verse 10, is that, or 11, which one is it, Kayla? Yeah. Uh, no, let's go to verse 11. Yeah, here we go, 10. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, this is talking about Joshua and, and all of his elders, when they had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done in Israel. Now, that's an extraordinary thought. How did they not know? How did they not know? How did they not know about what God had done in Egypt, what God had done for them all throughout those 40 years in the wilderness? How did they know? How did they not know about Joshua bringing them over into the land of promise and conquering 31 kings himself and, and you know, the, the walls of Jericho falling flat? How did they not know this? Somebody forgot to tell them. And it was this prior generation who did not pass this information down to their children. The leaders were commanded by Joshua, teach this to the next generation. Moses told them, you've got to tell the story. When they ask about this pile of rocks, tell them what that pile of rocks is about. When they ask about this, tell them what that's about. And they didn't do it. They didn't pass it down to the next generation generation. It didn't happen. And so now we find all those who had experienced the marvelous wonders of God have all passed away. And now this young generation, they don't know what God did. Therefore, they don't really know who they are. When we say, I will remember the Lord, that means I'm not just going to have a good memory up here in my head. I'm going to speak of him to my children I'm going to live like I am in remembrance of what he has done. I'm going to shine that example with my life to show my remembrance of God, just not just have good, neat little thoughts tucked away in my head about him. I'm going to remember him and so that my children will remember him so that they will know who they are. They, will, they can know where they're going because they know where they came from. Amen. And when history no longer gets spoken of. When, no, when history is forgotten, then the people and their identity is changed. Look what's happening to our country. We're seeing it happen every day. We're seeing it happen every day. It's changing. It's changing. Forgot the language of the words that are written, we are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights. It's this motto that is everywhere. It's on our money. In God we trust. And yet, 
He's not in our education system anymore. He's not there. They don't, you know, when I was a kid, I can remember as a kid, we'd pray in our public school. We'd pray in class. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Every morning we prayed. We prayed. The classroom took a moment to pray. There were, there were Bibles in public schools where that was part of our education because we knew where we came from. We knew that our freedom was really found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, on the day that they signed the Declaration of Independence, their freedom cry was no king, but King Jesus. I guarantee you, you didn't read about that in your history books though, because history has been rewritten. Trying to get it out, God, the knowledge of God out of our... People love America. How many of you love America? I mean, I, I love this great nation. I'm grateful to God. But let me, I want to say this to you because enthusiasm about it, it's one thing. Yeah. But if I were to ask a lot of people, I'll just say bless you, why do you love America? What is America? They couldn't tell you. They couldn't tell you what makes this nation great. They couldn't tell you really who we are. We're just happy to be here. Yeah. Well, it's got to be more than that. Amen. If we're going to continue to be this nation of liberty and freedom, then we have to know what got us that. Yeah. Amen. Hmm? All right, I'll get off my American platform. Back to the scriptures. But ladies and gentlemen, let me just say this. This is a great opportunity for us as the church. This is the time for the church to be stronger in the world than it ever has been. For us to shine our lights that much brighter because as we see so much of the, the fabric of our society being torn away from its values and its, and its true self, it's time for us to be the voice. The politicians aren't doing it for us. Have you noticed? Politicians aren't doing it for you. All right? They're just taking more of your money. They're taking more of your freedoms. All right. Okay. I said I was going to get off that state. I got to move on, holler, or run for office. No, I'm not going to do that. Okay. So Judges records, Judges records about 300 years, okay? 300 years. And, and um, uh, we talked about some of those, those uh, judges already. But that, that was the thing about the children. They forgot. So they didn't teach this generation. So they didn't know what the Lord had done. Therefore, the next phase of their uh, str- uh, going astray was that they forsook what, the laws of God. In other words, this book is about them throwing off God's lordship and his kingship from their lives. They didn't want to be governed by him through his laws. And so as a result of that, the scripture says, there was no king during the time of the judges, there was no king in all of Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own mind. We can see a lot of that going on today. It's called anarchy, right? Because if everybody's living according to their own standard, then we have no order. Amen. All right? We have nothing. We have no order. It's, it's everybody's throwing off restraints and everybody's doing what's right in their own minds. And see, that's the problem with mankind. Proverbs says it in one verse. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. Because truth that you conjure up to be truth doesn't make it truth. I don't care what Oprah says. I don't care what she says. If you're sincere about it, if, you, if you're sincere about it, then it's okay. You can be sincere and be wrong. It's called being sincerely wrong. Jesus said, I'm the way. I am not a truth. I'm the truth. The truth. If it doesn't come from him, it's not truth. 
Thank you for your enthusiasm today. Let's go now to Judges chapter 6. I will remember the Lord. I will follow His word. I will live in His promise. Judges 6 says this, Now the angel of the Lord, verse 11, came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, speaking of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite. Do you think a girl named Abby would like that word? Abby's right. I should have worked on that one before I... See, the Bible says Abby's right. While his son Gideon... Boy, it's a tough crowd today. While his son... Maybe it's just the bad jokes, huh? Maybe I just need to take responsibility for this terrible sense of humor. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites, verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, and the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, I, we know as we read later on in the scripture, you'll find out that Gideon was less than a mighty man of valor. Because once, uh, well, let's, I got to keep reading here. Now, I want you to notice that this angel appears to him, how? Sitting under a tree. And he's watching Gideon work. And he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. There's nothing about this man that is angelic in appearance, apparently, because it took a while for Gideon to even realize who he was talking to. We talked about how the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses as the fire in the, the burning bush, but the bush was not consumed, and it spoke, the angel of the Lord spoke to him from the fire, from the flames. And then we saw how he appeared to Joshua, a man with a sword drawn in his hand as a mighty warrior. But now he comes to Gideon just sitting under a tree. So there's no halo or harp to, rec to identify him as an angel if those things identify angels. <laughs> or wings. None of that is there. It's, uh, so it takes him a second to figure out what's going on. And not only is just, just this an angel, this is actually the angel of the Lord. In other words, this is Jesus shown up again. Now, we are, we're going to talk about the person of Jesus, and it's easy to find him in the angel of the Lord, but that's not where we're going to look at concerning him yet. Verse 13, Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, watch, why then has all this happened to us? We've heard this kind of talk, haven't we? Maybe we've said this kind of thing. If, if God's with us, why is all this bad stuff happening? Why is this happening to us? And watch. And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about? Oh, Gideon's one of the rare few that the information got passed down to him. Somebody taught him who he was. Somebody taught him where he came from. And Gideon's looking around in his life and says, well, that's great. That's great, Dad, that God did all those. But where is it now? Where are the miracles now? Where are they? There's just a few of us that have heard these stories, and they, they kind of sound like fairy tales at this point. These miracles, where I'm living right now, I don't see anything like that. That's why I'm down here hiding in this wine press for fear of the Midianites who have taken over. Where's the God who split the sea open? Where's the God who brought the ten plagues? Where's the God who opened up Jericho, uh, tore down Jericho walls? Where's the God who opened up the Jordan for the children of Israel to walk through on dry ground? Where is, where is he now? Why is all this stuff happening to us? Where are the miracles that I've been told about? 
Watch this. Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Next verse. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. What? What a strange response. What a strange response. Go in this might of yours. Well, what's so mighty about that? Somebody asking the questions. Where are the miracles? Go in this might of yours. That's how you're going to win the war. What? Go in this moment. What's so mighty about that? I'm asking you, I want to see what I heard the other people say that they saw, and you're saying that's a mighty thing? Go in this might? Yeah. Yeah. That is a mighty thing because nobody else was looking for the miracles. Everybody else was doing whatever was right in his own mind. But here was this young man who heard the stories and was stirred on the inside and saw the great injustice of a nation who God loved and performed for at one time, but no longer were they experiencing his power. And that had to have done something in the inside of him, enraged him, made him feel like a walking contradiction. And yet he says, go in this mighty yours, because all God needed to hear from him is, do miracles still happen? Is this true? Where are they? And he says, I can use a guy who's looking for the miracle. I can use that guy who who will just look to me and say, I need you here right now because this is the mess we've made. That's why I want to encourage you today. Look for the miracle. Believe that God is on your side and that he will show himself strongly on your behalf. All right? So he says, go in, I love this, go in this might of yours, watch what he says, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Ain't that just like a human being? As soon as the Lord says, you can do this, man, huh? we start finding excuses and reasons why we can't, and especially not right now. (laughs) I'm the weakest, I'm the smallest in my clan. And as he's saying those things, the Lord's got this little checklist, all right, for how he calls people into his work. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul lists not many mighty, not many noble. Uh, let me just read this. Look at, uh, can you bring that up, verse 26? This is beautiful. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Verse 28, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to things, uh, to, to nothing the things that are. Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And the more he diminishes his own ability, the Lord says, check, not many mighty. Not many noble. Yep, you're qualified to be called. (laughs) When I think about that, I think, Lord, you called me. What does that say about me? (laughs) 
called me to preach. And I can, and, and I, I can relate to that a lot. And I was raised in a little town just north of the Red River called Thackerville, Oklahoma, home of the Windstar Casino. It wasn't there when I was there. You could actually still see the stars then. But I was 10 years old. I was 10 years old, and I was in a church service one Sunday morning. I was a loner kid for good reason, because I hated to be ridiculed, because I wore these glasses. See, back then, kids, when you wore glasses, you got beat up. I don't know. if you, <laughs> You're living in a lot better day as far as that's concerned. Got ridiculed a lot. So I didn't want to wear these things. And so I found myself many times on the playground hunting rocks. That was my favorite thing to do, as long as nobody kicked me or hit me or anything. And just happened to be the smallest one in my class. And I came to church this particular Sunday, and it always was my habit to go forward for prayer when the pastor would call people for prayer to get my eyes prayed for. It's the same thing every week, same thing every week. Sure enough, he called for prayer. I walk up there, and as I'm about to go back to my seat, my mother says, Pastor, can we pray for Eric again? Now, as a 10-year-old kid, you hang on what your parents say, you know? And I knew my mother was a woman of faith, a woman of prayer, and I thought, if mom is sensing that we're going to pray again, this means it's happening today. Two prayers equals Eye healing, one eye healing. So I was excited about that. We're going to pray for him. She said, I want to pray for him. So I turned right back around, and I came forward, and, and the elders were standing around there, my grandfather being one of them. My dad was the associate pastor of the church at the time, and they're standing there before me, the people that I love and love me. And she says, I've been having these nightmares about Eric dying. <laughs> That's not why I came up here again, Mom. I thought I was going to get a miracle. Now I'm fearing for my life. Because mama says you're going to die. In the church, there was an old, uh, the preacher had, had been raised in the Assembly of God uh, uh, denomination for many years. And uh, our church was not an Assembly of God, but he had been associated with that for many years. And uh, he, uh, he said in his, uh, the only way an Assembly of God preacher can say it. He said, church, pray like you've never prayed before. <laughs> and, and I mean, that scared me. That scared me even more. Because I'm thinking if somebody is in this room and they're not praying like they never prayed before, there's a good chance I'm not going to survive. <laughs> so I please take the preacher at his word and everybody pray like you never prayed before. And so they started praying. Now, that was a little Pentecostal church. And when they pray, they spray, they cry, they, they do everything, man. And it's loud, and they were praying. And I mean, they were praying in the Holy Ghost. Sound like a bunch of lawnmowers going off in there. <laughs> praying and praying and praying, praying and praying and praying and praying. I don't remember how long that period of time was. I just remember they were praying, and I remember feeling great fear for my life. And, uh, and as they had their hands on me, and they're praying, and they're shouting, and they're commanding, and they're rebuking, and they're doing all this kind of stuff. Yet, in all of that, everything kind of slows down for a moment for me, and I feel this touch, boom, just on the top of my head, just like that. Now, everybody had their hands on me, but this was different. It was just this touch on the top of my head, and when that touched my head, this crazy, warm, 
metallic feeling. I don't know how to explain it. This went whoom, rushed through my body just from head to toe, just like that. Just wham, just, I mean, and I mean, it freaked me out so bad. I opened my eyes and my dad standing in front. I said, Dad. He said, what? Because I thought I was leaving the earth. I, that, that's how that feeling, I thought my spirit was going, you know, out. Mom's dreams came true. But I, when I opened my eyes, I realized I'm still standing there, you know, and it took me a second because it was so crazy. I said, uh, I'm supposed to preach. I mean, I knew him in a moment. God set me apart right there in the middle of all that chaos. Set me apart. I knew he called me. Right there. I knew I had been touched from God. I didn't know what else to say. I, I, and my dad said, well, great, all right. So we left church. And I was thinking, why did he call me? I don't have anything. I'm a dumb little kid wearing big old glasses trying not to get beat up in a schoolyard in Thackerville, Oklahoma. What can I possibly offer except when I came across this scripture? Oh, there I am. <laughs> not many mighty and not many noble and aren't you all the better for it today? Uh, went home that day. Went home that day. My mom, I know you've heard me tell this story before. But I'm going to tell you again. She made chicken fried steak. Can we just pause and just think about chicken fried steak for a second? Oh. Can you see it? Come on, just close your eyes. Let's just see that chicken fried steak sitting on that plate. Just name, name, name your favorite restaurant right now where you get the best chicken fried steak. Babes. Babes. Saltgrass. Grandma's house. That's probably right. Cotton Patch. Cotton Patch does have a good one. Monday's their, their, it's their lunch special. It's noon right now, and I'm just trying to help you right now. And then we had these red peel potatoes that we got fresh from my grandparents' garden there. You know what I'm talking about? And then they, my mother would lay about half a pound of butter over, over those red peel potatoes. And this was my favorite meal that my mom would cook. All right, she was a good cook, cooked a lot of great, but I always loved when she made chicken fried steak and red peel potatoes. And we're all sitting around the table after church, and I'm looking at that food, and I have no desire to eat. I can't get over that experience. It's, it's like it's ringing in my ears. I can't get away from it. Everything about me is so sensitive to the things of God. I, don't, I, I feel so crazy. The very thing I love to eat has nothing for me at this moment. Something else has got my attention. Something else has got my desire. And I told my mom, I said, Mom, I, I, can't, I can't eat. I can't, I can't eat. I, I seem to go pray or something. So she, she looks at my dad and she says, John, something's wrong. And dad says, oh, he's fine. Hand me that chicken fried steak. So I'll go back to their room, and I remember I had my dad big, dad's big King James Bible, and I opened it up and laid on the bed all Sunday afternoon, and I just read the book of Psalms. I didn't know what else to do. I didn't understand the Bible. 
And I just knew I had to connect to God. I didn't know what to do. It was, it was this haunting calling echoing in my soul. And I, I just didn't know what else to do except just try to connect. And so I would pray. And that night, back then we had Sunday night service. Y'all remember when? Sunday night service. We went that night and we're standing in this prayer group. The pastor had everybody come up and we we're all holding hands, just praying. Small church, you know. All of a sudden I felt like I needed to say something. And uh, I said, Pastor, can I say something? He said, yeah. And I remember put, putting my finger up and saying, thus says the Lord. I don't remember what I said after that, but I remember I started prophesying. I've never done that day in my life. You know, I'm like, what is going on? I mean, even while it's happening inside, I'm like, this is strange. Strange. My grandmother last year called me. I was sitting in the parking lot at Market Street. She said, Eric, and now my grandmother, she, she's a good woman. She's sweet, but she's not complimentary. Because <laughs> she doesn't believe in flattery at all. She said, Eric, of all my grandkids, you amaze me the most. I thought the same thing. Oh, because I never heard my grandmother say anything like that to me. And so I, I, my, my eyes start welling up, right? I'm sitting there like, this is amazing. And then she says, because I really didn't think you'd amount to anything. <laughs> there she is. Thank you, Grandma, for staying true to yourself. I was having a hallmark moment there, and you ripped the rug right out from under me. She goes, no, I knew all the other grandkids were going to do something, but I couldn't figure you out. Just didn't have a feeling about you. Yeah, not many mighty, not many noble, not many wise. God has chosen the foolish things of this world. And I'm grateful to God. The fact that you're not able or you feel like you can't, or that you're not strong enough, or that where you came from uh, qualifies you to let the God of the Bible, the God of miracles, use you in marvelous ways. Amen. Gideon goes on to do a marvelous thing for God. He had 32,000 men gathered to fight, and God said, no, 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 that's way too many because I don't want these guys to take credit for what they've done. I don't want them to take the glory for the victory. So you tell them, whoever's afraid to go to battle to go home. 22,000 of them leave when they hear that word. Now there's only 10,000, and God says, no, still too many. And they dwindle down to 300, Gideon and his 300 men, and they defeat the undefeatable Midianite army, who had far outnumbered them because God still works miracles. And Gideon went in this might. Where are the miracles? I'm putting myself in a position to see the miracles. Hmm? Keep yourself in the position to see them. What is that position? The position is faith in God. It's believing that God can, God will, God is able. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, even as Abraham was fully persuaded that God could perform whatever he promised. He didn't just say nice things. Isn't that nice? Let's put that in a little leather book and call it our promise book. 
and say, isn't that cool? No, this is something for you to live in. This is something for you to experience. Who, where are the miracles? Come on, anybody looking for the miracles today? Is anybody saying, where is it? I want God's work in my life. I need His power in my life. I'm tired of doing things the same way. I'm tired of seeing the same results. I'm tired of just mere human fleshly strength and ability. I need God in my life. Are there any hearts today that are crying out, I need Him. Amen. I need His power. I need His love. I need His grace. I need His mercy. If it wasn't for that, I'm nothing. Yeah. Amen. I need Him to help me prosper. I need Him to heal me. I need Him to save my family. Yeah. I need His help. Yeah. Amen. Israel kept forgetting their need. And then they would fall into bondage and they would cry out. And God was faithful. We see the frailty of humanity. Even those who say they believe on the Lord and, and yet they find themselves continuing to stumble and fumble and fail and falter and sin and trespass and just go all the wrong ways. And yet, finally, God help us. And all we see is the consistency and the faithfulness of God to be there every time they would cry out to Him. Over and over, and aren't you glad that he's been there for you? Over and over and over. Every time you decided, I'm going to cry out to God again. Every time you decided, I'm coming back to him, God met you there and said, I'm here. I'm that rock. I'm that anchor that you need. I'm that very present help right now. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. The scripture says, even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. The term, the phrase, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord appears seven times in the Bible. In the book of Judges, I should say. Seven times. And almost every time it follows the death of the judge. Othniel, the first judge mentioned, the nephew of Caleb dies. And the very next verse says the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Ehud, the judge, dies, and the very next verse it says, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. As long as that judge, that deliverer, was alive, everything was cool. But the moment they died, they went astray. They're all pictures. These deliverers are, are little glimpses of the great deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would come and bring the ultimate deliverance. Deliverance. He would deliver us from our sins. Hallelujah. He would, he would not just cover the matter as the blood of bulls and goats could only do. No, he eradicated the matter. Hallelujah. He became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. We were dead in our trespasses, and the Scripture says he brought us near by the blood. This is a great salvation with which we have been saved. This is a great inheritance that we've been brought into. The family of the living God, not just stepchildren, no, son. Sons of the living God, born children through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our great deliverer. And let me just help you today. This deliverer died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again from the dead the third day. And he's alive forevermore. And whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. And he is alive. The scripture says never to die again. Now he's ever living, making intercession for us. Let me tell you something. If the deliverance depends on the lifespan of the deliverer, I've got news for you today. He's alive forevermore. So your deliverance is forever. Yes. Amen. Praise. 
That means you can always expect victory in every area. Every challenge, every trouble that you face in this world, you can know the deliverer is alive. That means there's deliverance for me right now. It's not just about deliverance from eternal destruction. Thank God for that, that he secured us a place in glory forever and ever. He has given us, Jesus brought eternal redemption, eternal salvation for us. That which only other things could do temporarily. But he did that also so that every day, whatever you face in this life right now, you can know the deliverer is alive. And if he's alive, there is a way There is a way, there is a way out. There is a way up, there is a way over, there is a way through because my God is with me and my deliverer is alive. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your, thank you for your grace. Thank you, God, that you loved us so much you wouldn't leave us dead in our sins. We were incapable of saving ourselves. Lost. Lost in our sin, dead. Thank God you did not leave us in that condition. Knowing that we could never become like you because of our fallen state, You reached down and became like us. You became a man. You walked among us, looked people in the eye, laid your hands on people, and they were healed. You went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with Jesus. And in doing that, and in taking upon the punishment that we deserve for our sins, taking it upon himself, pronouncing the judgment and yet not only pronouncing the judgment but you also carried out the sentence of your judgment and Jesus on that cross reached up with one arm and took the hand of the offended God And with his other arm, he reached down to the offending sinner and he brought them together and brought peace. Today, I just want to invite you, if you're here today and you're away from God, you know it. You've been living like these guys in this book, doing whatever's right in your own mind, living life for yourself with no regard to what the Lord has to say about it, no acknowledgement of him. But today... You need to make some changes. Today you need to make some changes. First, if you don't know him, today you can believe on him and be made new and become his child. And maybe you are his child, but you've run away from home. You find yourself identifying with the story of that prodigal son who went and lived however he wanted to but he came back home when he came to himself. And today you're coming to yourself. You're saying, I want to come back to God. I don't want to just live life however I want. I want to live for him. I want to live with purpose. If everybody could just, for just a moment, if you wouldn't mind, just bow your heads here for a moment, just between me and you and God. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, you talk to me today. 
I just want to respond to God by raising my hand today. I just want to respond to him and say, I'm coming back to God. I'm answering his call in my life. I'm leaving the old things behind me and I'm, I'm going forward. I need his help right now. Are you here? Just raise your hand where you are. I want to pray for you right here, right now. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're addicted to something. You need to, you need to be free from that today. There's grace for you here. There's grace. There's help. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you right now for meeting all of these here right where they are. Right where they are because your love reaches to infinity and beyond. There is no one that is too far gone, too far that your love cannot reach and that you cannot change. And I thank you for being a very present help right now for all of these here in Jesus' name. That your grace would be multiplied to them that they would be renewed in hope and they would have that cry in their heart as Gideon did. Where are the miracles? I want the miracles. I want God's power in my life. I want your life demonstrated in my life. Let me, I'll choose your way. I'll follow you. I'll believe your word. I'll shine for you. I'll live for my God. Father, I thank you for blessing them right now. And every bit of guilt and shame that has weighed them down, I command that to be broken off of their life right now because that is not from God. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. And there is now, therefore, now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you today, if you're here and you're, you've been bearing that, you've, get rid of it. Don't carry it anymore. Don't carry it because it's not yours to carry. He carried it for you. There's no reason for you to carry what he carried. All right? Be free from that today. And leave it where it is, behind you, and go forward in the grace and love and mercy of God. That's where he is. That's what he gives. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, right now for your help. In the name of Jesus, we praise you. Say this with me. I will remember the Lord. I will follow his word. I will live in his promise. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11. And Wednesday evenings at 7. And in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings. And our 1 o'clock, 1 cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.